We're broadcasting with the intention of getting the broadcast into North Korea, but we know that people don't have radios, so our staff are sending radios via weather balloons, hoping that this radio gets into the hand of someone who will listen, and by listening to our broadcast, will come to faith in Christ. Welcome to another edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I'm pleased to have Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company, as my guest today. We'll begin our conversation in just a moment. I get the reports that many of you are using our smartphone app to listen each week and even go back and capture previous interviews from the past several years, which you can download and listen to at your convenience. Now, if you're not using the app as yet, you'll find it in your favorite app store, and it's free. Just search for First Person Interview. And don't forget the resource of our website, which updates you on new programs and archives past interviews as well. It's firstpersoninterview.com or on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, I am grateful for the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, which makes it possible to bring you this program each week. We feature FEBC stories once in a while, and today is one of those opportunities, as Ed Cannon has recently returned from South Korea, where believers in that country are praying on our behalf. As we began, I wanted to thank Ed for FEBC's support of First Person. Well, it's a privilege. It's a wonderful program. It's a wonderful opportunity for you and I to work together again, Mm -hmm. Wayne. We love to tell FEBC stories from time to time on the program. It's not uh, the totality of the stories we tell here, but it is fun to to, uh, reach out and go around the world and hear what God is doing. Yeah, I love these stories, too. They're so powerful, so meaningful, and they all point to the fact that it's the gospel that does the work, not man. Yeah. The last time you were on this program, I don't know if you remember this, we were actually reporting from Korea. Uh, We had been there. This is a couple of years ago now, as I I recall. I do recall. I think we were with Bill Blount and Rich Bott. Yeah, you've been back a couple of times to Korea, including a recent trip there. I want to hear about this most recent trip, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's so packed full of things I can talk about, Wayne. Firstly, Dr. Billy Kim, the uh, chairman currently of FEBC Korea, the one-time director with the founder of FEBC Korea, has made such a mark on that country, not only just through broadcast, but through his interaction through the network of churches and his own church and the staff of FEBC, who he gets involved in so many things beyond just broadcasting radio. We had Dr. Kim on this program telling his life story, and it's in the archive if anyone wants to go back and listen to that. First, he's celebrating the 60th anniversary of FEBC Korea, which I believe FEBC Korea has had a marked impact on Uh, the growth of the Christian faith in that country. They're Mm -hmm. a very significant player, I think, in the whole evangelistic process of South Korea, and it's a wonderful place now, very Christian. Uh, Dr. Kim wanted to celebrate the 60th anniversary, uh, starting with he brought 13 of the children's choirs to Carnegie Hall and put on a very evangelistic... Wait a minute. How many children were a part of that? Well, each choir has about 50, (laughs) and they pay for all these kids to come. And they sing, and they're wonderful performers, and it's really a first-class performance. And I thought, well, I don't know if we'll be able to fill Carnegie Hall, but it turned out that it was a standing-room-only crowd, and there were people waiting in line outside to buy the tickets and unable to buy because it was full up. And I'm guessing there wasn't a dry eye in the house when the kids sang, and then when the kids come into the audience and give the audience members hugs. And it gets better than that because part of the celebration was Dr. Kim invited 60 U.S. Korean War veterans who had served in the military in Korea. 
And he brought these men there to the choir. And as before they began the concert, he gave each one of them an award, a thank you award from Korea for what they did to sacrifice for his country. And then Dr. Kim credited the U.S. military soldiers with the fact that these kids had families and were able to come. And as these hundreds of beautiful young children who had been singing about Jesus Christ and their faith came out into the audience to hug these gentlemen, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Oh, my goodness. As Dr. Kim said, these kids wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for your sacrifice. Hmm. Well, I don't want to dwell on that because we went back to Korea. They have 13 FM stations reaching out to the community. We went for the particular reason of the 60th anniversary, but it gets different then because we coupled up with the military of South Korea. Every young man is required to serve two years in the military. So they go through an extensive training program, of course, and we went out to the training facility and were greeted by a four-star general, the top general in the military of Korea. So he'd be like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs then, most likely. Yeah, I mean, a pretty big position. I would say so. Uh, And he's very good friends with Dr. Kim. He's a Christian himself, and he believes that having men in the Army who believe in Jesus Christ is the best way to strengthen the Army. So they make a voluntary program of putting these young men through a discipleship program, and after six weeks of training, they're given the opportunity to voluntarily become baptized. So we attended a service, FEBC Korea hosted, and the military made it possible for 4,976 young men to be baptized on one day. This is this was not required. It was totally voluntary, voluntary. Because it's only about half of the soldiers were at the training facility. The and other it was half, spiritually appropriate. You feel these men were authentic in, in their faith and asking for that baptism. That's a great question because at first I was a little questioning. But when we walked into the gymnasium to see the enthusiasm on the hearts of these young men as they stood and cheered when the chaplain was asking them what this meant to them, And they screamed and they cheered and they jumped up and down. And then when they came into the waters to be baptized, every single one of those men was so filled with emotion, tears, joy, hugs, cheering. It meant something. 4,900 young men at one point baptized in one place. Wow, what an experience. It must have been. I I saw some of the video online of that event and heard up close and personal some of the testimonies of the young men before they went underwater and when they came up from the water. It was authentic. It it was an amazing experience just to watch it on video. I can't imagine what it was like to be there and to sense that. It was incredible. But the entire week that I was visiting in Korea, the experiences kept multiplying. After the baptism— We went to a large church in Seoul. The churches there are very large. And they gathered their crowd for a voluntary prayer service. Now, it was 9 o'clock on Friday night, and the prayer service was advertised from 9 till midnight. So you think, probably in America, not that many people would be interested in attending a voluntary prayer meeting on Friday night. Dr. Kim was going to give a message, and he was going to bring greetings from FEBC International. Wayne, there were nine thousand people there they were so engaged in prayer there what was, were they praying for they were praying for the united states and they were praying for north korea they had a twofold purpose for their prayer that night we're praying for the reunification of north and south korea so that 
we could go into North Korea with the gospel. Hmm. Not for economic prosperity, not for the completion of some long-time dream, but rather so that we could bring the gospel to those desperately hungry people in North Korea. And they're so confident that this is going to happen. The FEBC Korea staff have got plans already in place for how they're going to bring radio into North Korea once the wall falls. I wasn't with you on this most recent trip, but a couple of years ago when we traveled there, this was one of the impressions I brought home is how much they pray for the reunification and how much they believe the Lord's going to bring that about, that these countries are going to be reunited, that North Korea will, you know, uh, somehow come out of its dark ages, so to speak, and, uh, and South Korea would be able to move in. Well, this prayer service was evidence of what you just said, Wayne. They're praying and praying and praying for this reunification. And the point of assurance, they've already built the railroad station to go into North Korea for when the wall falls, then they're ready to go. (laughs) They've got plans written down about how they're going to take radio into North Korea so that they can establish it right off the bat so that the people aren't confused by anything else that might migrate into the country, but rather they hear the true testimony of Christians who believe in Jesus. That's praying in faith. That's not just praying. That's praying expecting God to move. The second half of the question you asked me was that they're praying for the United States. They're deeply thankful, not only for those soldiers who came and freed South Korea from the oppression of communism, but also that many years prior to the Korean War, the United States sent missionaries into Korea who planted the seed of, of faith. These missionaries brought the gospel to Korea for the first time. They remember that. They deeply appreciate that. And now they're coming back and saying, we're concerned perhaps that maybe America needs us to pray for them so that the gospel would revive in the churches and in the communities. And America would once again become a Christian nation. That would be a powerful moment for you as an American to stand there and know that our country is being prayed for by so many Koreans on that evening. It was a very emotionally taxing trip for me. Mm. 9,000 people in a voluntary prayer service, 4,500 soldiers being baptized at one time, seeing all these young men standing and cheering, seeing these U.S. veterans being honored for their service. Wow, it was a very interesting week. That's a great report. You visited the DMZ, I understand. What mm-hmm. was that like for you? Well, there's a lot of tension there, as you know. You know, you stand there and you look across the border and there's a North Korean soldier staring back at you. The South Korean soldiers are staring up at him, all frozen and poised mm-hmm. in military stance. It's kind of creepy when you see it at first, but then it makes you realize, you know, this is kind of the way our world has been for millennium. And we just have a sort of a moment of peace here in the United States, and we don't realize, but those tensions are everywhere, Wayne. So it was very moving for me to stand there and see that. Mm -hmm. Believers in South Korea are praying fervently for a reunification. I mean, many of them have family members in North Korea, Mm. so that's one reason they want Mm. it to happen. Mm. Oh, yeah, you hear some of these horrible stories about the day that the war ended, and families were divided as some were sent north and some were sent south. That story continues as people have very limited access to the North and visiting their relatives. It's very difficult. And in these countries, FEBC is very actively involved on radio with the gospel and with many programs to reach both countries, really. They do reach into North Korea with a broadcast in some ways, don't they? We certainly do. We're broadcasting with the intention of getting the broadcast into North Korea. But we know that people don't have radios, so our staff are sending radios via weather balloons into North Korea with a prayer hoping that this radio gets into the hand of someone who will listen 
and by listening to our broadcast, we'll come to faith in Christ. That's what we hope and pray will happen. We'll continue this conversation with Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company. This weekly program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company. Together, we are committed to telling the stories of Christ at work in the nations of the world. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50 of those countries, reaching people in over 100 languages, introducing them to God's love and discipling them through God's word. To learn more about FEBC and its broadcasts, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click the banner FEBC. That's firstpersoninterview.com. My guest today is Ed Cannon, who is the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Ed, as you know, we talk a lot about calling on this program, and it was my privilege to walk with you through your calling to FEBC, what, uh, four or five years ago now? Yeah, four years now. Yeah. Uh, how's that gone for you? I mean, talk to me about that whole experience of, of, of being called to this ministry and, and how the Lord led. Well, I've always been committed to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and therefore obeying his command to go and take the gospel to the whole world. I've also become a very strong believer in the fact that radio is a very powerful tool, not only here in the United States, as has affected my family personally, but around the world, in particular where there are no churches, where there is no access to the gospel. And I really believed that when I came in Once I've come into this organization and seen how radio is being effectively utilized in these countries to proclaim the gospel, it has really sent me to a place that I didn't understand what I was getting into. Yeah. Don't you think that Americans maybe in some ways misunderstand because we have one way of using radio in this country. Listeners in these other countries, they they listen differently, don't they? I mean, they depend on it so greatly for just getting God's Word in the first place in many places. How often we hear testimonies from people who actually say, I would not be alive if it wasn't for this radio broadcast. I depend on it for for my Word of God daily. I've witnessed people, when we deliver radios to them in person, who treat this radio as it's if their most valuable possession. Right. Remember the woman in the Mekong Delta whose home we visited, she said, this is, she held up God's word and the radio. She said, these are my treasures. And if I could describe her home, you'll remember it was nothing but a thatched eight by 10 square, didn't even have a floor, didn't have power. She drives on a bicycle 13 miles to town so she can plug her radio in to recharge the batteries daily so she can hear God's word. And that's typical. That's, very That's not terrible. an unusual story in, in countries like Southeast Asia. It really isn't. I can't emphasize enough on this broadcast, Wayne, how many hundreds and thousands, perhaps, of these kind of stories that I've heard from people, and they take it for granted. Yeah. It's, these aren't phenomenal stories. This is just everyday life. But this radio is so valuable to me. I count on your broadcasts daily to keep the Word of God in my life. It is the most valuable thing I own. And the stories, Wayne, that I've heard over and over and over. We had a program for 30 years in China. It was called The Voice of God, simply a man reading the Bible on the radio for 30 years. He was asked one time if he could please slow down the speed with which he read. And as he did that, as he heard about that, he realized, I've got to do this at the speed that someone can write it down. So for 30 years, Wayne, he read the Bible on the radio. 
Some research came in in the 80s when China opened up, and the International Bible Societies went in, did some research, and they said people have been smuggling Bibles into China for 50 years. And unfortunately, there's only a few hundred thousand copies. But interestingly, out of a shortwave broadcast from Manila, there are half a million handwritten Bibles in this oh, country. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How do these stories affect your soul? I mean, you've been exposed to them now for a few years. It has to have had a tremendous effect on you. Well, when I see the faith of people living in these circumstances, in a way, Wayne, it humbles me that we Americans don't realize how valuable the Word of God is. Our lives tend to be cluttered with many other things, and we don't respect the value of knowing Christ and having been selected by Him, having access to the gospel, having access to tremendous biblical teaching and exposition. And these people don't, they don't think that way. They appreciate it so much. From the bottom of my heart is what they say. Letters from people, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for what you have done. It is the treasure in my life. And when you see what they're willing to do in order to have that word, putting themselves at risk, potentially being arrested, we know of people in jail saying, I've got great joy because I've been able to suffer for the Lord. These are Book of Acts type stories. Yeah. And at FEBC, in these countries where we serve, we see them and hear them over and over and over. So your question to me, what has it done to me? It has humbled me in one way, and it has given me unbelievable hope and drive to continue to do the work of the Lord in these countries for these people because they truly need it, and more importantly, because of the depth of which they appreciate it. Yeah, if they can overcome those obstacles that they have in everyday life, we can certainly overcome whatever obstacles we face to get the gospel to them. That's, uh, I know that's the ministry of FEBC. And I've heard the stories about the start of this ministry. I know the high regard you have for the founders of FEBC, including Dr. Bob Bowman, uh, who's now with the Lord. But um, at the start, there was virtually no response they went how long before they heard from anyone? Well, for 13 years, they were broadcasting gospel into China with little or no knowledge that even anyone was able to listen. They had faith that people had shortwave radios. So they were broadcasting and broadcasting and broadcasting. And finally, they got a letter from a blind lady who had written in in Braille. And we got a number of letters from people in Braille. And we believe that's because those people knew that the government couldn't read Braille, so they were less fearful of sending the letters. But these letters that they got said, many are listening and many are coming to faith. One man wrote a handwritten letter, which is still on display at the Hong Kong office. The first handwritten letter, he said, many people are listening to your broadcasts and we want to know more about Jesus Christ. Now, the number of people in China alone that correspond with FEBC is almost one million a year, and that doesn't include internet messages, text messages, mm-hmm. one million a year. That's mail and email. And the rest of the world where FEBC is, and what, nearly 50 countries of the world, another million responses, I understand? Yeah, a little over two million responses a year. And now, Wayne, we're starting to track downloads on the internet, hits on the web pages. Cell phone apps that have been downloaded, millions and millions and millions. 
of course, it's different from country to country, but how do you account for how the gospel has gone forth in these places through radio and, uh, and, and things like uh, an online seminary in China, this kind of thing? How have, how have they prospered in spite of all the difficulties that present themselves? You know, I'd like to go to Scripture to answer that question. And Dr. Bowman and I talked often about this very verse. It's in Isaiah 55 where God says, So it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And Dr. Bowman started the thinking within our organization, which continues to this day, that we don't try and manipulate God's word. We simply teach people what the Bible says. And no matter what language you're speaking in, no matter what country you're broadcasting into or what their culture is, the gospel has great power, which we as man might not even understand. But certainly if we're obedient to that call, people will understand it and it will accomplish not what we desire, but what God desires. Mm -hmm. And adherence to that mission is why I think, despite the difficulties in countries where the governments don't want us in, they're blocking our radio broadcasts, they're arresting our staff and throwing us out. Despite all those circumstances, the Word of God is going to accomplish what He desires. Well, it's a privilege to be associated with the Far East Broadcasting Company and all that God is doing through FEBC. And again, thanks for your partnership in bringing these stories each week to first person, not just FEBC stories, but stories of God at work in people's lives. Ed, a few years ago, uh, God unmistakably called you to the ministry uh, you and your wife pulled up roots in Chicago, moved to the West Coast. Your m- wife gave up a, a medical practice to do it. Has it been worth it for you guys? Well, of course, of course. And the timing for me, Wayne, was fantastic. I had the privilege to get to meet Dr. Bob Bowman. Even the short time that I got to know him helped inspire me to get me accustomed to be able to answer this question. Was it worth it to me? After Dr. Bowman gave so much more than I've given to this ministry, He was interviewed by a public television station in Los Angeles, and they did an interview on his life. He set up this huge ministry. He's done all these great things. And they asked him, Dr. Bowman, wow, you've done all these wonderful things, and now you're retiring and moving on. How do you want to be remembered in life? And he said, well, you see, that's the point. This is a ministry about Jesus Christ. I choose not to be remembered at all. And so I think, Wayne, about I've given up nothing. Was it worth it to me? Well, of course, fulfillment of the Great Commission is worth everything to us. And I like to point to the message of Dr. Bob Bowman. It's not about me. It's a ministry about Jesus Christ, and it's a privilege and honor to even, in a small way, serve him. Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. You can find out more about FEBC and its proclaiming of God's Word in many countries of the world by going to firstpersoninterview.com and clicking on the banner for FEBC. You'll be visiting the page where you can hear FEBC Today, the daily broadcast, and request additional information or even indicate your support for this radio ministry, which is reaching millions with the gospel. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. When you join us next week, you'll meet Jeannie Nigro, a woman whom the Lord is using to declare that we can put our confidence and trust in the God of the Bible. Jeannie is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Unshaken, Standing Strong in Uncertain Times, and you'll hear her story next week. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time to First Person. First Person.